Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome to the Elite Achievement Community. I'm Kristen Burke, your host and coach here to demystify the goal achievement process. If you are ambitious and visionary, then let's get to work so you can maximize your potential and achieve your definition of success. Hey, Goal Achievers, welcome back to Elite Achievement. Today, I am joined by Nicole Case. Nicole is a career and leadership coach for women leaders in the corporate world who are looking for a career upgrade. During her decade of working in corporate human resources, Nicole saw countless smart, driven, and talented women become stalled or stagnant in their careers. Now, Nicole uses her corporate HR experience to support women in landing their ideal roles and succeeding in their careers on their terms as their authentic selves. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, Kristen. Good morning. How are you today? I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here, Nicole, because I remember so many times in my previous corporate role wanting more and having the desire to lean into my ambition, and it was really challenging. So I look forward to learning more from you. I'm curious, what inspired you to leave your corporate role and become a career and leadership coach for other women? I spent over a decade in corporate HR roles in the high tech space, in the pharma, clinical research space, and those were really male dominated industries, as you can imagine. And obviously there were some really amazing top talent women there, but what I saw is that they were falling behind or they were, like you had shared earlier, they were getting stuck and stagnant and they were struggling to really get into those leadership roles and make the impact they really wanted while also having full lives outside of work. And so I was seeing that in my day-to-day work. Plus I saw what the conversations were being had behind the scenes with executives talking about who's getting promotions, who's getting the raise, who's getting the best projects. I saw what the conversation was and what they valued in a leader. And I noticed that it was kind of disconnected to what a lot of women thought they needed in order to get ahead. And so I was like, I've got these secrets. I need to share them. I know I can make a bigger impact just myself in my own life and and career if I go out on my own and do my own thing. In addition, I was also working and volunteering a lot with other women's organizations in my area. And I just kept thinking, my gosh, if I could just do this full-time. That would be so awesome. And then I finally decided, let me just do this full-time. And and so that's what I did. How was that transition when you decided to go full-time? Yeah. You know what? It was actually a little bit challenging um, or a lot of bit challenging. Um, I thought that by doing everything myself, by going full-time as a business owner, as my own boss, this is going to be amazing. And it's going to be easy and fun because I had the passion right around the work that I was doing. But what I found was going from a hundred percent structure in another person's organization with responsibilities and expectations to me uh, needing to put those expectations on myself. That just took a little bit longer for me to adjust. And that was actually a really big surprise 
And I also realized that the systems and routines that I had put in place in my corporate job did not necessarily translate one-to-one as a solopreneur business owner. It just took a little bit of time, right, to, to kind of adjust and figure out what those new routines were. However, once I kind of got into a groove, you know, look out because I've been having the best time. It just took a little bit more of a of an adjustment period than what I anticipated, right? And of course, being a driven and ambitious woman, you think that you're just going to dive right in and it's all just going to be awesome. And it was um, it was a really fun and interesting experience just to rethink what are my work routines? What time am I going to get up in the morning? When am I going to go to the gym? All that kind of stuff changed overnight. And I honestly just wasn't prepared for it. But now that I've got it, I've got it. That's really interesting that you talked about how your systems and routines from your corporate experience didn't translate when you became a business owner. I found myself working the exact same way I worked in my corporate role, which was one of the reasons I wanted to evolve. I wanted a different Mm -hmm. schedule. I found myself scheduling coaching calls at 7 a.m. and I was going back to back and I thought, wait a minute, is this what I want? Is this going to help me maximize my potential and serve my clients in the best way possible? And I believe it's a a journey for myself. I'm still figuring it out. Now, two years into my business, I'm still finding, am I holding on to that from corporate and does it serve me well? And should I change? So it's an interesting process for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, I was finding myself working crazy hours and working long hours. And and on one hand, I'm working on my own thing and doing work that I absolutely love. So sometimes it's really easy to lean into that. But on the other hand, I was finding I was getting exhausted. I was like, am I actually working on the right things? And I had another coach friend of mine who um, had a really successful executive career um, in the pharma industry who also transitioned out to do her own coaching and leadership business. And she said to me, Nicole, the work that we are doing requires more white space and rest. And when she said that to me, it just clicked. I'm like, you're so right. And and then when I'm seeing the the success that I'm having my business now, when I'm allowing for more white space, when I am putting the boundary in place of, I only take so many client calls in a day, I'm not backing back to back to back. I specifically put... 45 minutes in between every client call so that I can reset and get prepped to be fully present for that next client. When I realized I started doing that, I felt so much better. I know that I was showing up better for my clients. I had more creativity and it started to make me rethink what I was doing previously in corporate. Like, holy cow, had I thought about this or discovered this previously, could I have even been that much more satisfied and even successful in my corporate job had maybe I created more white space there as well? And so those are actually some things that I talk about with my clients today so that um, they can feel like they have more creativity in their in, in their corporate job, that they feel like they have the space that they need to think and to get the things done that they want to get done in the way that they want to do it. I am so grateful you shared the work we are doing requires more white space. Literally this morning, Nicole, I was beating myself up in my mind around, Kristen, what is wrong with you? You used to get up at 5 a.m. and you would have an hour-long workout and you would get fully ready, hair, makeup, suit, be in the office from 7.30 until 5 or 5.30. And you did that day after day. And now, why are you not getting up earlier? And why are you so tired at night? And it's fascinating. 
It's a different mindset. And we don't always give ourselves that uh, grace that the work that we're doing as coaches requires a, a lot of thinking. We're pouring ourselves into our clients. That is really helpful for me. And then you also talked, Nicole, about boundaries. And I too coach a lot of women. And I have found that in general, I'm going to overgeneralize here for a moment, women struggle with setting boundaries. What advice do you have to uh, set boundaries? So first, in setting boundaries, you have to sit and reflect on what's working and what's not. And where are there some spaces where you think, ah, this could be a place where I need a boundary. And the trigger there could be when a certain situation happens or a certain meeting comes up or a certain person that you're interacting with, you have that physical reaction where you know, maybe your chest gets tight or maybe know that you're feeling a little bitter, feeling a little resentful. That's a great trigger to be like, hey, this could be a boundary that's either being violated that I haven't communicated or I need to put something into place here. So just spending a little bit of time reflecting on what you think is needed first. And then deciding what those boundaries are actually going to look like. What is it that you need in order to feel satisfied, to feel respected, to feel seen and heard? What are those things that you want and need to put into place? And then you need to actually communicate those to people. I know sometimes we want to think that everyone has our amazing intuition as women um, and can kind of read the room really well. And not everybody can do that. And honestly, you are. Um, robbing yourself and that other person by not very clearly articulating what these boundaries need to be for you and why. So again, making sure that you are communicating super clear about what your expectations are and what your boundaries are. And then if they violate those boundaries or they decide not to follow them or they forget which happens, not calling them out in the moment or shortly after the situation to say, hey, I don't take calls after 6 p.m. Can we schedule this at another time? Just, again, reminding them what your boundaries are and calling them out if they do violate them. Because then if you don't, all that's going to do is cause you to be even more frustrated and upset. And, you know, that other individual may believe that they can um, continue to do whatever it is that they want to do, that this wasn't really a boundary that you needed to set. So that's for you and interacting with other people, but there's also boundaries you need to put into place for yourself too, right? So like, I'm not going to, you know, scroll Instagram until 11 o'clock at night in bed. You know, I am not going to look at my phone when I first wake up in the morning. There's some boundaries that have nothing to do with anyone else and it has everything to do with you and the word that, that you want to hold to for yourself. So Two different places where boundaries are really critical. Holding boundaries or establishing boundaries for myself can be challenging. And I find that I am tempted and probably do violate some of my own boundaries when I'm leaning into limiting beliefs or if I have a scarcity mindset or there's fear involved. As you're working with your clients or or even, Nicole, as you shifted and started your own business, were there any limiting beliefs that came up for you and how did you work through them? Yeah, totally. I think some of this contributed to just me feeling like the transition from corporate 
rock star to solopreneur was a little bit challenging that I, it uncovered um, some limiting beliefs that I didn't know that were there. My current business coach, I've been working with her for a couple of years now. And she said to me the very first conversation that I had with her, she said, Nicole, being a business owner and starting your own business is going to drum up all your junk. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was totally true. It's totally true. Um, but specifically some of the limiting beliefs that I uncovered again, one of them was that my systems and routines that made me successful in corporate was not going to translate. And so that was one I needed to get over. Um, again, the, the working the long hours is what's going to make you successful. And, you know, like, holy cow, it's, it's not about the working the long hours. And this is true in corporate too. Again, this is where I'm going back and revisiting what I did in corporate. Working long hours is not what makes you successful. It's ensuring that you have the right priorities and you're focused on the right things. And then the other big limiting belief was that um, success would be overnight. And if it's not, then you don't have what it takes. Some people go into business and they hit a level of success really quickly and or whatever that definition of success is for them really quickly. And that's amazing. And frankly, I did not see the success that I was expecting right away. I was expecting to hit a certain revenue number right away. I was expecting to have people coming at me all over the place trying to hire me to speak or, or hire me to be their coach. And it didn't happen like that overnight. And I have to continually remind myself that hey, I'm still building this and I'm still growing and learning as a coach. And the success that I thought that I would get maybe was a little unrealistic. And honestly, maybe and maybe had I worked 20 hours a week and hired a big team or whatever, maybe I would have hit that revenue, that revenue number, but at what cost? So I can certainly tell you that once I um, came to peace with that, that my success is going to look different than other people's success. And my version of success is going to look different. And I'm on my own path and on my own journey. I really felt so much more satisfied and just so much more present with my clients and what I was working on felt so much more fulfilling once I let that go. And honestly, my revenue went up <laughs> once that happened. How funny. Imagine that, right? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Like you said, you know, whenever you're in the, spa the space of lack or scarcity mindset, which is really what that was, once I let go of that, then things began to flow. I have been thinking lately about this concept of push versus flow. And mm -hmm. as an ambitious woman, a goal achiever, a type A personality, I am a really good pusher. So when I put my mind to something, I know I'm disciplined. I have the work ethic. I will grind. I will push. I will push. I will push. And what I'm on a journey to understand is the difference between that push and that flow and how do I work more in my flow. And I think what that is, is me working through some of those same limiting beliefs that you had, Nicole, coming from a corporate career where the longer you worked was celebrated, the more you earned was celebrated, the people who had the biggest books of business and the most clients and all of that was number one success. It really is such an opportunity for those of us that step out of corporate to sit back and reflect what does success truly mean at what cost? I love how you bring that up. Like, yes, we could all go out and build these massive businesses 
at what cost? That's uh, really helpful and insightful. And I appreciate you being vulnerable with your beliefs. Well, and I, I would say, I think we all are influenced by our upbringing and the values that our parents bring to us. And then as adults, we have to reflect to see, are those the values we want to continue to take forward with us? And for me, my parents are entrepreneurs. My dad raised two young girls as independent, strong women. And but I see him in his business working long hours, grinding, again, that hustle mentality. When I'm not working, I'm not making money mentality. And I needed to overcome that value. I needed to overcome that position. And it took, I mean, it took a while. And and still, I mean, I, I admit that there's days and times where I still struggle with that idea, but it all goes back to that, at least in the work that we're doing, that white space that we need to create for ourselves. And just again, ensuring that we're working on the right things. And, and instead of this striving or this pushing, trying to achieve something, if you know what it is that you want to achieve, what you want to work towards, what do you want to accomplish? It doesn't mean that ease means easy or lazy. It means ease is you are clear about what it is that you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and then trusting yourself that it will happen. Ease means you are clear about what you want to do and what you want to happen. Such a brilliant way to rephrase and reframe a thought process. What advice do you have, Nicole, for women who are feeling stuck or stagnant in their own careers? Yeah, one of my favorite topics to talk about um, because it's so common with women, particularly with really driven and ambitious women that they are driving and striving and then they plateau and they're like, wait, what the heck? And then this idea of being stuck or stagnant really, really impacts them because they feel like they're doing something wrong. And hitting a plateau or evening out for a little while is super normal in anyone's career. And so whenever you're feeling this way, now, again, like I say a lot, reflecting on what's going on, you know, what what's really happening in this situation? Are you bored? Are you just no longer being challenged in this role? Are you feeling um, pulled to maybe go and explore something different? Is there something going on in the company or in the organization that's causing this feeling? I talk a lot with women who feel like, oh, I need to completely change my career. I need to completely go in a different direction, which in some cases, that's definitely the right thing for them to do. And it's super brave to decide I want to try something completely different after a career in one thing. But also it could just be the environment that you're in. It's just you have outgrown the role, you have outgrown the company, and that happens sometimes and that's okay. And, you know, making the decision to move on to maybe a different organization or maybe even different team inside of your larger organization is enough to give you the stimulation or give you the new challenge that you need. But first and foremost, you have to reflect on what's going on. What do you like? What don't you like? And then the other thing is to really be clear about what your values and your strengths are and recognize if you are living those values and strengths daily in your work. Because if you're not, that will also lead to feeling stuck, stagnant, burnout, all of those things. So if really, if that foundation is there, if you understand what those values and strengths are that you have, and you're able to 
clearly see if you're using them, if you're living them every day or not, that could be a, a clue that it's time for for some a change for you. Nicole, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned you saw the conversations that were happening behind the scenes and some of the things that women think we need to do to get ahead are actually holding us back. If a woman is desiring that next level, what are some of the things that she needs to do to get ahead? The first thing is to decide, is getting ahead in this company, is it in a different company? And sometimes we can work that strategy in tandem. So often our managers have no idea what our career aspirations are or what it is that we want next. And again, we make some assumptions or think, oh, they should know. They should see the value that I'm bringing. And frankly, they just don't. They're busy too. They're worried about their own careers. They've got other people on their team that they're trying to tend to, right? So just making sure you are having a really clear conversation with your manager about what it is that you're looking for and also getting feedback from them to say, hey, this is the direction I'd like to go. Where do you see that I have some gaps that I can be working on? Now, if you don't have a strong relationship with your manager, I recognize that that can be a challenging conversation to have, although I still recommend doing it. Then talking with mentors, sponsors, other people in your professional and personal life to to talk out what those aspirations are. And again, what are some gaps that maybe you see? Getting feedback is so critical in this stage because we are so deep into our own careers and into our own performance that sometimes having that third party who can come in and and, and give you a different perspective is going to be really, really helpful. The other thing I would say is that the idea that you are super, super good about your current job, that you are the expert in your current job could keep you stuck in that current job. So if you have a manager who says, just keep doing what you're doing, that could be a clue that you are going to continue doing what you're doing because you have made yourself um, so valuable for that particular role that you have not picked your head up to look around to be able to connect the dots to the other departments, to the other initiatives, to the other challenges that are going on in corporate. So the people who get ahead in corporate are not necessarily the people who are the 100% super duper experts in their area and they just put their head down and they grind and they just do good work. That is not who gets ahead. The people who get ahead, particularly if you are in leadership or want to step into leadership, are the people who can look around to the other areas in their organization and see where those challenges are and how they connect back to the role that you are in and how you can make an impact beyond just your specific area. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be focused on doing a great job where you are. That's baseline. That's the cost of entry, right? Doing a great job where you are. It's taking that next step to, again, see what's happening around you and connecting the dot, understanding how your role impacts other roles. Maybe you're not a customer-facing individual. Maybe you're not the revenue-generating team or function in your company, but how can you connect the great work that you're doing in your space to impacting revenue, to impacting customer experience? It's having that awareness and enabling your team to impact in a, in a bigger way outside just your specific um, expertise area. I was just talking with a client earlier this week who has a great 
foundation in her specific area. She's like, Nicole, I've done all the things. I know how to do all of these things. However, she wants to continue to move up in her career and become a more strategic leader. And so it's not that she needs to let go of that foundation that she has already built and that expertise she's already built. She just needs to now elevate that conversation to a more strategic one around the entire company and around the entire organization she's impacting instead of just this specific little area. It's not to say that the great work that you've done in the past around developing your expertise or getting really deep in a particular area was a waste of time. No, that was great time spent. Now it's time to elevate that thought process and elevate that experience to that next strategic level. You recommend we have a conversation with a manager. And I I remember very vividly having several of these conversations with my former leadership team. I'm wondering, are there any recommendations you have on how to set up this conversation? Is it a, oh, hey, by the way, at the end of a one-on-one, is it a specific one-on-one? There's got to be a process around this type of conversation. What recommendations do you have? If your manager is not one that's already probing you to have this conversation, which by the way, if you are a leader, you should be as a leader talking to your team proactively about their careers and about what they want. But if your own leader is not doing that, then be proactive and go to them and send them a note or tell them ahead of time to say, hey, I'd like to carve out some time to talk about my career and next steps for me and what that means. I'm going to set up um, a separate conversation for us to talk about that. I recommend doing that. I recommend doing that whenever you're wanting to get feedback as well, because sometimes these conversations, your manager needs some time to process and to think about what's the feedback I want to give Kristen here. Or we had a conversation last year. Let me refresh my memory about what we talked about then. And again, same thing um, with feedback, which would likely come into this career conversation anyway. If you're seeking out feedback from your manager, likely asking them kind of just out of the blue or just kind of putting them on the spot makes people really uncomfortable, which is often where you'll get the, just keep doing what you're doing because they're not really sure what else to say sometimes. So just sending them a note or just letting them know ahead of time, this conversation, I'd like to talk about my career and what that means and what's next for me so that they can feel like they can come prepared. That's really helpful. I know I I like to have think time before impactful conversations. So that would make sense to allow that space for other individuals as well. Nicole, you shared if you're a leader, make sure you're initiating these conversations. And you came from a male-dominated industry. I came from a male-dominated industry. What advice do you have for men who are leading other women? How do these leaders help women grow their careers? Fantastic question, and I wish more people were asking it. The first thing is for you to ask them and not make assumptions about what they need. I had a client last year who was pregnant with her first child and she was having conversations with her manager about, you know, maternity leave and then when she's coming back and all of that. And she said, I'm going to come back from maternity leave in October. Again, this was last year. I'm going to come back from maternity leave in October. And he said, okay, he's like, well, this big project is going to start up in October. I'm going to give that project to someone else and give you this easier project because I don't want you to be overwhelmed and I want you to be able to ease back into your role and I want you to be really comfortable. Now, 
that was super nice of him to think that I want to make sure that she's comfortable. I want to make sure that she's feeling supported coming back to this role after having her first baby. So he's coming from a place of wanting to be helpful and supportive. However, he needed to let her decide what she wanted in terms of if this was originally a project that she should have led, then she needs to decide if, you know what, that's going to be a little bit much for me coming right back from maternity leave. Can we maybe allocate that to somebody else? Because had she allowed that it had she not kind of stopped that and said, no, I want to still have that project like we had originally talked about. If that was a really big visible project that went to somebody else, that other person could have then got the promotion, got the raise, got the visibility that they needed in order to continue to move up. And then my client could have stayed stuck, stagnant, or in doing projects that didn't have the bigger value impact that she was accustomed to delivering over time. So again, asking your employees to be like, what is it that you need? What do you need from me? How can I support you? Coming at it from that place versus assuming you know what it is that they're going to need. So, and that's going to be, that's true regardless of gender, right? Or any circumstances, not assuming what people need because it could be different from you. But that would certainly be the very first thing as a male ally trying to support their female employees. Go ask them what they need. They'll tell you. And then when they do tell you, make sure that you're enabling that to actually happen. Of course, we can't always do the things that our employees ask of us. We can't always do that. But ensuring that you're having that active conversation with them to say, well, maybe we can't do this, but can we do this? And making that an active dialogue between the two of you. This is making me think of a leadership shift in general. I think a lot of times as a leader, we feel like we have to have all the answers. We have to come with the right answer, the right strategy, the right solution. And what I'm hearing you recommend, Nicole, is move away from that desire to figure it all out and move towards curiosity asking questions, seeking to understand, engaging in dialogue with your team and co-creating what's the best solution together. A hundred percent. And that's another one of those things that I saw women and men tripping up over, particularly as they're moving into leadership positions and even higher level leadership positions over time. Because again, you were likely recognized for being that expert, for being you know, probably technical and whatever that means in your area of expertise. And then you get into leadership and leadership is not about being the expert in all of the things. Leadership is about helping your team and being successful through your team and removing roadblocks for them. And again, connecting the dots at the, at the, at the higher level to see how your team impacts other things. If you approach leading your team with authenticity and vulnerability and saying, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. Let me get back to you. Or let's talk that out together. You are going to gain more credibility and more respect from your team than you either faking it or forcing a decision or forcing um, an opinion that might not be the right approach just because you feel like I'm the leader now. So I have to look like I have all of the answers. The best leaders that I've ever worked with and supported and the best leaders that have the teams that will just follow them wherever are, again, the ones that say, let's talk about it as a group. And we'll still be very clear about who has the final decision, what the final decision is and why. But 
being able to co-create that together as a team is, is the best way to build that high performing team that stays around long-term. I'm grateful you brought up the words authenticity and vulnerability because I want to go back to our opening and the work you do centers around helping women bring more of their authentic selves to work. So I'm curious, Nicole, what advice do you have for women to be more authentic in the corporate workplace? I think this is a really interesting conversation. And honestly, my perspective on this is first and foremost, if you want to show up more authentic in your corporate world, the first thing you need to know is yourself. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, I know who I am and and what I need. And I think that's not true for a lot of people. And also we are growing and evolving and changing as humans all the time, particularly in these last two years. I mean, I can tell you that I was not the woman that I was. March 2020 as I am today. And so recognizing that and having that reflection and having that time to be like, who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up here? So that's first. And and part of knowing yourself specifically, if you're struggling with that, is sitting down and again, like I said before, knowing your values and your strengths. Because when things get challenging or when you are faced with a decision, Being able to go back to your values and your strengths will help you make that decision more quickly and more confidently, whatever that decision is. So that would be the first things I would say about how to be more authentic in your corporate role, because whenever you truly understand who you are and what it is that you want, you're going to show up in a, not only authentically, but you're going to show up in a really confident way. And people respond to that. People really respect and respond to people who are confident, not arrogant, but are confident in who they are. I do want to recognize here this idea about authenticity is certainly easier for straight white women. Let's just be clear. So women who are women of color, women who are LGBTQ plus, those women are certainly going to have a much more challenging time showing up in an authentic way to work because they women, white women for sure are are facing discrimination and, and everything at work as well. But it's absolutely more challenging for women of color and women who are LGBTQ, because this world is not set up to respect and honor those differences. And so we've got a lot of lot of work to do there. And so us as white women, white, straight women need to be those allies to our, our women of color and women who are LGBTQ, just like we need men in the workplace to be our allies, we need to stand up and be the allies to to those women as well. Nicole, this episode is full of insights for business owners, for women, for leaders. There is something for everyone in this episode. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insight with us here today. And if our listeners want to learn more, where can they learn more about you and the work that you do? The best place to find me, Kristen, is on LinkedIn. I'm there hanging out all the time. I'm doing LinkedIn live shows. I'm posting. If you like journal prompts, I post those every Friday and Saturday. So that's the best place to find me. I'm Nicole Case um, on LinkedIn. And if you want to talk more, send me a DM. I'm always, I'm always on and open to chatting. All right. Well, Nicole, I love a good journal prompt. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you leave our audience with one of your favorite journal prompts? 
What do I need to let go of? What do I need to let go of? And with that goal, achievers, keep focusing on your weekly wins, noting your lessons learned, and identify your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenberg.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Meet Kristenberg. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, Goal Achievers, keep progressing toward your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.